Welcome back, Golden Globies. You're probably noticing this is an odd week because uh, there's no main episode. We promised you one, one, one time with a bullet. Number one with a bullet. Number one with a bullet. Um, due due to unforeseen, unforeseen difficulties that we'll get into when we do the number one with because this this episode is about having fun. Yeah, Murray's but trying to get over a tough week here. Very tough. How week. many days ongoing without power? Five, and as far as I know, I still do not have power. And have you captured any birds to open cans for you or anything? How no. into Flintstones are you at this point? <laughs> it's, it's, we're like a modern Stone Age family now. <laughs> I have no food. I'm like eating shit, shit takeout. Uh, you see, I'm all unkempt. I haven't shaved in a few I know. days. I never would have noticed. You came in and said, I have not shaved it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess you haven't. Because you're always so closely knit. That you're, I know, I got my shit tight. You don't notice these things. Uh, I'm very angry, and you're gonna. I'm gonna vent on next week's episode. You're gonna have a lot to vent about because oh. number one with a bullet is number zero with the fuck shit of bullshit. That okay. was really obnoxious episode. Lewis has gone. He is at Ginty levels. I know, and I can't wait to watch yeah. it. Anyways, but so. We're not, but we can leave you guys hanging. We never do that. We're, we're, you can always depend on Golden Globes to put something out every week. Every Even Wednesday during night. COVID, we put our lives on the line. On the line. Every Wednesday night, every Thursday morning, it'll be right there in your inbox. To make it even better, not only are we doing a tippy-tap of everyone's favorite show that we do, Baywatch oh, Nights. Yeah. We invited a special guest. Last time we did a Baywatch night, we had our friend Chris, the lycanthropist. Yes. He's an expert on werewolves. Oh, yeah. Deep down in Texas, where all the werewolves live. So I had to call in a favor to a friend I know from Twitter for a long time. Not only is he a great guy, he is a Vikingologist, Griff. He knows <laughs> everything about Vikings you could ever care to know. I'm half Scandinavian, and I don't even know as much about Vikings as this guy does. Interesting. And not only that, Griff, he's also a writer of men's literature, something I've tried to teach you about, but you're way too young to know. You sit me down all the time, you pat me on the head, and you try to read a couple passages, and it just doesn't sit. So without further ado, let's introduce our friend, Mr. Jack Badalera. Jack, how you doing? First time caller. Glad to be here. Oh, excellent. (laughs) It's great to have you here. And, uh, yeah, with Baywatch Nights, we got Vikings at hand. Yeah, I don't know about uh, Viking all, but uh, I, I will play one on a podcast for you. That's all you got to do. I Take have it a Viking pattern broadsword, not three feet from where I'm sitting right now. So that makes me qualified. <laughs> I should pour my bourbon into the uh, drinking horn I actually have hanging behind me on the wall. Why haven't uh, you? Nice. Come on. Do it now. I mean, Murray's taking an entire bottle of Maker's Mark if I did that, and I don't think we want to go there tonight. (laughs) Murray's taking his phone calls out of a shell these days. (laughs) Going back to your Flintstones era, like it. Call back. Uh, I think it's the first time. Well, I I take that back because Joe Corey has written books too. Yeah, this is the first time we've had a real author on our show. (laughs) What are you laughing about, this guy? Oh, I, I thought you were taking a dig on Joe Corey. I was like, oh, that? Oh, I didn't mean that. I love Joe. I yeah. love Joe. So, Jack, you're a men's yeah. literature. I don't know. Other, what, what other way do you describe? I just describe it as men's literature. It's it's literature for men. That's all I can tell you. Can you elaborate? Can you tell young yeah. Griff what he needs to know? 
People don't, unless you are of a certain age, people didn't realize that when you went into the bookstores back in the day, you would actually see labels that said men's adventure. And like, if you knew, you knew like what you were going to find there. You're going to find <laughs> Max Boland, Death Merchant, uh, <laughs> SOBs, Black Berets, Black Eagles, uh, Nick Carter, Killmaster, oh. uh, Able Team, Phoenix Force. Who was that guy? You know, Remo Williams, the Destroyer. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, all the good stuff there. So, how do you yeah. how do you even like start picking some of that stuff up? Because like you know when I'm in my teen years, I'm looking at books and don't. I mean, I didn't start reading it again until it was like getting laid was on the line. I read 1984 <laughs> one night because I was like, I gotta get laid tomorrow. And it it worked. Oh, really? Get laid by reading 1984. I was already dating the girl. Oh, oh but wow. she was like, you should read this. <laughs> so I did. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. You'd be really Very popular on social media right now. A lot of people are talking about 1984. You're the expert. Yeah, it gets thrown around a lot. <laughs> but uh, what I'm when worried was, about is men's literature. <laughs> when I was a kid, um, and I grew up in Alaska in like the late 70s and early 80s, I read a lot of, and you know, people give me the side on it when I say that. I read a lot of Vietnam uh, memoirs and Vietnam. Uh, what you might call semi-autobiographical fiction. There was a lot of stuff that mm-hmm. was tweaked. They they were marketed as memoirs, but you know half of them were just nonsense. You know, titillating guns and Saigon hookers and things like that. Uh, and <laughs> and you know that was interesting uh, education when you're a wee lad. And when I uh, went up into grade school and junior high. Funny enough, our school library had a small collection of these uh, white-spined era Gold Eagle paperbacks that were Able Team and Phoenix Force and Mac Bowen, which was Gold Eagle, Eagle Books was actually a subsidiary and imprint of Harlequin. And, you know, Harlequin did romance, but they had this imprint, Gold Eagle, which was all men's adventure because they had purchased the rights from Don Pendleton, who wrote the original Mac Bowen Executioner novels, the first 38 books. And Don Pendleton's Executioner is sort of one of the blueprint, one of the ur-texts of men's adventure fiction, this serial vigilante uh, fighting, you know, beyond the law to take on organized crime. And later in the 80s, it shifted from more not so much organized crime as it was just terrorism. Uh, and that's when Able Team and Phoenix Force came along, as well as more books in the Executioner series. And, you know, as a young, impressionable lad uh, in junior high, finding these in the library, which it would be hilarious to go back to my home uh, town and look around in the library and see if these are still on the shelves, you know, 30 years later. But, you know, reading this sort of stuff where guys are, Firing 40 millimeter grenade launchers and blowing up terrorists and shooting people in the head with sniper rifles. And, you know, here I am in like sixth and seventh grade. I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever read in my entire life. Oh, man. And you just kind of go from there. So that was the gateway drug. Yeah. It always started like that's such a good impressionable age. I mean, 
I remember I saw Rima Williams the movie. I didn't even know anything about the books, the book series. And I dug it, so my mom bought me some of the books. Mm. And it was not PG, the books. I remember <laughs> Primo's banging chicks and Chun's killing people and shit. I'm like, wow. This I can't is... imagine what that would be like to read about sexual things happening. Because it's like the most sexual I got was a John claude action movie <laughs> where you got a butt shot of him. Like, that's what I grew up on is looking at John claudes ass. <laughs> And so, like, I was very confused. I remember asking friends in 6th and 7th grade, like, what are these feelings I have for the other sex? (laughs) So you're reading about it in Remo Williams? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was an eye-opener for me. I was like, I don't know, I think I was 10 or or 11 when it came out. God, did that keep you, like, interested in it? I I only read a few of them. But you read a few of them? Yeah. And that age, like, I would... would like go to the library and my dad loved going to the library. He loved getting tapes and then yeah. recording like uh you know burning uh, them. This is where it starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep, now I'm a horrible thief. <laughs> yeah. Um but he loved doing that, getting the Chuck Berries and everything. And I love to be like, I'm gonna I'm gonna read a whole book. I was like George Costanza. <laughs> I'm gonna get a book. I can't stand my own voice when I read the book though. So I would buy these books, I get one chapter into them, and be like, Yeah, I read it. <laughs> Throw it away. So I'm so impressed that you guys at that age read a book, read wow. whole books. Yeah, it it <laughs> Not many. I mean, I was more of a, like when I was little. I was more of a comic book guy. Yeah. And then I, as I matured, <laughs> did you stick with it, Jack? Did you just keep reading these books, or did you mature into you know like I matured into wrestling? I <laughs> just watched wrestling nonstop. So uh, it, it, there was that stuff, although. You have to remember, I grew up in a very small town in rural Maine. Yes, yeah. Well, I'm just learning this, so yeah. <laughs> there, there, there was not a lot. I mean, the nearest bookstore was, you know, half an hour drive and was small and poorly stocked. And so a lot of it was things I could kind of get off my dad's friends or my dad would pick up because he'd be like, oh, Jake, I think you like this. And, you know, give it to me. Uh, so I read a lot of... Tom Clancy, a lot of techno thriller stuff, Harold Coyle, uh, Larry Bond, things like that. Uh, and then, like, halfway through high school, I got into, like, fantasy stuff because my friends started playing Dungeons & Dragons. So mm. I, it, it kind of petered out halfway through high school, and I got more into the fantasy and sci-fi. But you know, as time went on, you, you can't escape the lure of, you know... Guys are all oiled up in 57 maxims and, you know, pumping those 12 gauge shotguns. Yeah. You, you can't, you can't stay away from them. So, you know? Yeah. And then when I well, moved I to Boston, uh, better access to used bookstores and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Love Affair rekindled and uh, began collecting anew. It's it's so fun to collect them, even though, you know, like, I, I, I really find it fun to just see, like, they're, they're not over the top. They're very rudimentary. They don't try to wow you. They're very simplistic stories with, like, little bits to them that I just find so entertaining. I don't know oh, what it is. Like, a, a lot of those old stories. It's very, it's formulaic in a good way, because, like, Gold yeah. Eagle would write... Uh, you know, they had a whole stable of authors. 
and they would put out two Mac Bolin books, an Able Team book, and a Phoenix Force book every month. And you would sign up uh, to join, like basically, like what we'd think of today as like one of these box subscriptions. And you know, every month you would get four books in the mail, and people would just burn through these. You know, they're short. You can easily sit down and read one in like a, you know, a lazy Saturday afternoon. So. Oh yeah. You know, and that's what Google was not the only one writing stuff. Pinnacle was putting out a lot. Um, and then you have, you know, other smaller imprints out there. Yeah. That's what I'm doing right now with Jack Vance's Dying Earth. Oh, yeah. Like, yep. yeah, I just started that, like, this afternoon, and I'm already halfway through it. And there's all the cigarette ads in there still and everything. It's so fun to see, <laughs> see all that old weird stuff in there. But anyways, we've got Vikings to talk about. That we, we do. do. That we do. Yeah. We have Hoff to talk about. We got Hoff to talk about. How do we start? This is probably the hottest opening we've ever had, right? Because it's an active volcano. Yeah, it's yeah, but it's very cold. Yeah, it, it's very John DeHart. It's very hot and emotional and sexual at the same yeah, time. Yeah, we, we start off with some very nice stock footage of an eruption in Iceland. And we get some nice vi- vo- 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 <laughs> Voice I'm turning into you. Voiceover work, and they're like, "Hey, this this volcano's blowing up." And hey, look at there. We it was T, wasn't it was, it? was it? I don't know. If it was... I thought it was T doing. We're the still over. trying. I'm glad you wrote in your notes too, uh, uh, Jack. We're still trying to figure out what is the purpose of T. Is he a helper? Is he an antagonist? We yeah. don't know yet. And we've done four of these episodes. Four, just four. Yes, feels like a thousand. <laughs> no, only four. I watched this episode twice now, and I still. Am hazy on the chain of events because they they seem to be there for the volcanic eruption and the shattering of the glaciers that reveals the Vikings. But the but but then they're like somehow also at the same time surprised that they're there. So it, it doesn't really make sense. The 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 inciting incident, if you will, doesn't make any sense because they're like oh. That these guys were two thousand feet down in the ice. Well, how, how did we find these guys? And you know, did they trigger the volcanic eruption? Ooh, there you go. That could be the real, the deep, the deep conspiracy behind this episode. They actually right. triggered the volcano to shatter the ice to free the guys so they can you know, do their science. Well, if there's anything we know from the other uh, Baywatch Nights episode we've done. This one's on its own that that it doesn't make sense because all the other ones make perfect logic is so tight. (laughs) Seamless plotting. Seamless, yes. So they find two Viking bodies in a rowboat Mm -hmm. encased in ice, right? Flash frozen, like the salmon you order. Flash frozen, exactly. Yes. Because it was saline. Saline water (laughs) freezes just the right temperature. So they put them on a freighter to San Pedro, California. <laughs> and apparently, there's a secret cryogenics lab. Right? We've always said this. If you ever listen to a Going Globster episode, nothing good happens on the docks. No, nothing, nothing. Always underworld shit happening. Yeah. There's a secret cryogenic lab on the docks. <laughs> I love this lab. How can you not love? Can, can we just talk for a few minutes here about all the setting of the lab? There, it's supposed to look like it's refrigerated. Yeah, refrigerated, to, yeah. yeah to, to let you know, there's just like 
mist. Uh, yeah, everywhere. but nobody is wearing the appropriate clothes for that. And there's Everybody's all these wearing like, lasers and tubes that are flashing constantly. Yes. Just, well, Jack, it's a lab. Of course there's going to be lasers. We just need science stuff. We need to fill this room with science stuff. Like All we needed was a, t- a TV antenna. Yeah. Yeah. You need a TV antenna where the electricity the goes electricity, between them yeah. and the ball where you put your hand on it and the electricity. That's all you needed. My favorite, and we got this in our Renegade, or no, not Renegade, it was uh, that other immortal show <laughs> yeah. where they went into the guy's um, uh, blacksmithing lab and he had a bubbling cauldron. <laughs> and in his science lab, we have the bubbling cauldron sound effect. But it was like... Light tubes in the background with water, but everything about this lab, just nothing about it. It's scre- it screamed cryogenics to me. It because did? we had a blue tint to the lighting. And, oh, that's a good point. And you had, you had just... They did yeah. look cool. Yes, they did. They should have just like shook, like brrr, like every once in a while. Oh, my God. Kind of like Mr. Freeze on Batman. Yes. Jack, I know you know. Noticed it in the notes, but there's one guy running around with certain headgear where I was like, what? Yeah, he's wearing, like, night vision goggles on his head, and you're like, what, what, what are we doing here? Like, what's going on? The props for this entire episode, I mean, I've, again, I've never seen another episode of this show. I'm just assuming <laughs> it's the same way. But the props for it are just, we they looted around in, like, the dumpsters of other shows to build the stuff for this show. I'm convinced that they're just, they've got like a little cadre of thieves who just go out there and like steal from other productions. And that's how they build the sets for this stuff. Well, I know you want to think this is like some kind of whose line is it anyway, where they just go into a dumpster, find props and like, let's build an episode around these props, like this net gun. No, all the other episodes are super strict logic rules, foundation. Right. Zarkatha uh, made perfect sense. <laughs> this episode, they went out on a linge. Wait, hinge. Wait, what? A limb. Limb. But I will say, every one thing about Baywatch Nights, there's very much the abuse of the Dutch angle. Yes. Oh, oh boy. God. Yeah. <laughs> Everywhere. Uh, and, and you know what? I'll, well, I'll, I'll save it for later when once we get deeper into the episode. But you're right. As soon as we get into the the lab, like the, these touch angles everywhere. I don't know. <laughs> but so, I, I did I did notice in the other episodes the abuse of slow motion. There's a lot there's a lot of padding going on in this mm-hmm. episode. And they had that like slow effect where you see the trails and everything in the Zargatha episode <laughs> and they had Zargatha vision. We didn't get We got Viking we, vision. We did get Viking it was vision. Blue. Yes, that's right. Which what kind of makes sense because you haven't opened your <laughs> eyes and seen light for two thousand years. You think you would be kind of blind at that point. Like you wouldn't be able to Anyways, well, we have we have our two Vikings. We've done we... the classic Golden Globus thing where we've talked about the episode <laughs> for forty five minutes and got through five minutes of content. <laughs> Sorry, go we're, on. We're painting a picture. We're painting the greatest picture. So we get two Vikings laid out on some gurneys. We tell we can tell they just got out of uh, ice because they have chips of ice all on their face. Perfect saline ice tombs. Right, perfect. Yeah. Like you said, fly freezing. <laughs> yeah. And one we all recognize, if you're a fan of Golden Globe Studio, you recognize Sven Oli Thorsen. Unless you're Griff, who didn't recognize him. Who we've done like fucking ten <laughs> movies with him in it so far. A bodybuilding buddy of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think he's been in almost every Schwarzenegger movie. 
including his, the ones we've done. His costume was too good. Couldn't see through it. <laughs> yes, it was very accurate, historically accurate, because we know that Vikings wore loincloths, yes. horn helmets. The helmet. Oh, my God. The helmet. That, that Halloween is USA. Viking helmet. Like, I, I owned one of those back in college. And then they put like a little scrap of leather over it to make it look not so cheap. But oh. it's in the close-up scenes where you're like looking at his face, you can actually see the like the bolts and, and you know, all that. It's just one piece of plastic that's made to look sort of silver. It's uh, <laughs> sad. So then they just start throwing out words, riboflavin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, my favorite, riboflavin. <laughs> and all these like words like DNA and what's well, that? The one thing that surprised me in this episode that they kept throwing around, they're like, there's not enough DevOps over there. I got, God <laughs> damn it, I come from the fucking tech world where everyone's just agile, DevOps. So I was like, DevOps started in fucking Baywatch nights because they're talking about automation. They're like the automation's doing its own thing. That was a little yes. bit of a checkoff gun plot there. I'll, I'll point out just uh, the idea that the computer is controlling everything will become critically important later in the episode. Oh, that's a good right. point. And yeah. they can't turn it off, so yeah. they're like, "Let it do what it's doing." I love it. We get a doctor later who's just like, "Who the fuck cares?" <laughs> <laughs> So Sven, we're gonna, they, the Vikings don't have names, so we're going to call Sven Ole Sven, and the yeah, other one's yeah. Ole. So it's a Sven and Ole. Oh, that's going to be not confusing for me. So Sven's cut, he's coming too, and they're like saying, oh my god, he's coming too, it's, it's super fast. It's so early, we didn't even pump him with the Red Bull. Right, no Red Bull injections <laughs> No yet. Red Bull injections. And he awakens, and as you, as you would if you awaken from a thousand year nap, you just snap. You just, you don't know what's going on. Well, yeah, I mean, he's... I, I didn't know this about Vikings, but they have super Hulk strength, too, because he just breaks through the restraints. He hasn't moved a muscle in years. <laughs> breaks through the restraints. He's a Viking. They're the, the greatest men of the ocean. He, he, he must have caught some wind of Johnny Cash because his eyes are wide open all the time. Uh, <laughs> what's going on? Well, before he breaks out, Teague, who we still don't know where the loyalties lie. We've watched four episodes. We have no idea. This guy is basically just your exposition bomb. He just comes yes, in to give exposition. Yes, yes. But we don't know what, like, is he, a, is he an enemy of Mitch's? Is he a friend? But he's calling Mitch. Yeah. Mitch, apparently they need to get Mitch's advice on the cryogenics. Why is Mitch coming to the fucking cryogenics lab? <laughs> they trust Mitch. That's the only <laughs> exposition we get about why Mitch is called. Mitch is good. And Ryan. And I'll remind everybody, last last time we did the Baywatch noise with the Zargatha, Teague's exposition was just going, these uh, Zargathas, they come from uh, Serbia. Serbia. <laughs> yes. And it got there by a truck. So that was yeah. the interesting part. If you haven't listened, go listen to that. <laughs> a Zargatha monster got onto a truck that drove into California. From Serbia. From Serbia. From just Serbia. straight drive. Oh. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Perfect logic. Every episode about this one. So Mitch and Ryan roll up to the secret lab, <laughs> and they're talking about. And this is where we see that David Hasselhoff is one of the creators of the show. People, so we tell he's he's got AP. some. There's some long form storytelling going on here because they're talking about something we don't know yet. We haven't gotten to that episode, but we're we're assuming mm-hmm. there's going to be a vortex episode <laughs> in the future. And we all took very close note of this <laughs> yes. conversation. And then there's a one minute conversation, and we were all on the edge of our seats over it. Right. You know, I, what I explain did more research on this, and apparently this is a thing for Sedona, is that they they 
if you just dig around for Sedona vortices, apparently there are all these quote unquote vortices of energy out there that like mm. people will find and meditate within them. So this is this is a thing apparently they didn't just you know pull this out of their butts while writing the episode. This is Sedona is filled with vortices of energy. I didn't read about anyone disappearing into them forever and going to another. Only dimension. five have. Only five. Oh, we only, learned that only, from Ryan. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I could totally see the Hoff communing with these this energy. So he probably threw that in. So he, he, he tells Ryan because Ryan's like, "We got to go to Sedona and get into a vortex." Wasn't this supposed to be his vacation? He was going to do it yeah. by himself. <laughs> He didn't want to go. Ryan did. Yeah, Ryan wanted him to go, I thought. Yes. I thought she was pushing him by himself. <laughs> no, no, out no. There. They were going to go together. Okay. But then, then he, he, lets, he goes, You know, I don't like that boogity boogity. Which I don't. <laughs> Captain Lou Albano has to explain that one to me. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't translate. Uh, what is that, Samoan? I don't know what that is. I don't know. All you know, I know is. Stay tuned for a future episode. We're going to look at the next Baywatch. The next Baywatch. If there's an episode about vortices, I hope Sedona, that's going to be our next Baywatch. Next I hope episode. he has a puka shell full of like special jewels to keep him safe during it. So go back to the lab. This is where the Vikings start stirring Sven. He breaks out and he just goes batshit fucking crazy, man. And this he is. He goes around like ragdolls left and right. Yeah. It was like a, a beautiful tag team match where you got to feed the baby faces, and all these fucking jobber scientists come running at Sven, <laughs> and he's flipping them. He's fucking knocking them out with one punch. The, there's other scientists standing in the background just fuck cheering their asses off. A couple chicks take their shirts off. It was wonderful. <laughs> and it's so exciting. We got to bring it down, people. We so we go right to the intro. The show hasn't yes, started right. yet. That's right. And we get one of the greatest intros in TV history. Is this an appropriate time to mention that the credits will be rolling for the next 25 <laughs> minutes yes. of this episode? Yes. We take two commercial breaks and we still have credits. <laughs> like, we're going into the third act of the story and we're still getting credits. <laughs> Jack, did this intro, like, remind you of anything? Did you... Well, I, I think I threw in the note that it's like this weird mashup of, like, you know, early season Buffy and Charmed and, like, really early on Highlander, the TV series. I mean, it, you could put that in front of anyone of a certain age who would have recognized that television. They've been like, that's like uh, any supernatural show between 1993 and 1998. You know, it's just like, oh, here's a, here's a slightly warped shot of a candle and here's a book with mysterious <laughs> writing in it. And you're, you know, some a fog machine blowing through a graveyard. <laughs> like, you know, My favorite is the horribly taxidermied wolf. Yeah, like wolf. My favorite. It's just what is happening. It's just they they they're they're scrambling for any sort of symbolism to draw someone in. But the problem is that it's like fifteen minutes into the episode, so yes. you you're already kind of locked in for the duration. <laughs> If you're watching these credits, what, what's going on here? Yeah, um, like like with most TV shows, you get a cold opening and then the intro, but they're like... Well, by, this is episode like 13, so they, you're in. Yeah, <laughs> if you're still watching, you're <laughs> in. Yeah. Like, you got the cold entree 
And then the back half is the cold <laughs> dessert. <laughs> you could deal with that. So we, we cut right back to the lab. Sven is just, like you said, hurtling people everywhere. He, and then he looks at the other Viking, Ole. And he's still, there's some kind of tension between them. Like, are they rivals? We don't know yet. We're in, we're in the fog here. And as we kind of, like, gloss over this story, as we kind of break it through, Jack's really offended by how they wrote it up, and I agree with him, and he's got kind of a better twist on this. But here's what they went with. Go on, Murray. What are you talking about? What do you mean? We got Sven getting up, and he's, yeah. he's taking out the jobbers, and he's setting sail. He's getting ready to run away. Well, yeah, first he has to grab his horned helmet. Oh, yeah. And, of course, they kept all their weapons and armor in this <laughs> lab where they're trying to resurrect these people. They're trying to resurrect the, the weapons, too. Oh, you know? apparently, yeah. yeah. They had little nodes. Got Aliong in the back putting on his gloves. Endo getting ready to shock him back to life. And the fight or flight you know, instinct kicks in for Sven. So he just flies. He just bugs out and leaves the secret lab. Yeah. So he and of course he like you said he's he's uh he's at the uh, the wharfs. So T calls court. You call nine one one when you have a problem with Vikings. So T calls nine one one, and we say we can't like dispute the cops' responsibilities to other people. The cops are supposed to respond for Viking reincarnated. Are they reincarnated? No, they're not. They're revived. No, they're revivified. Re- 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 okay, yeah. There we go. But the, the police are. And we want to we got to point out that. Language was not developed till about 500 years ago, so Vikings yeah. cannot speak. No, now, these that Vikings drove me can't. nuts. By the way, it, I'm just gonna say you've got Sven Oli Thorson, who is a native-speaking Danish person. It, he could have been. It could have been trivial for him to just be like, "Okay, this is an actual Norse, but like, just let me say some stuff, and people yeah. will recognize that this isn't, you know, French or Spanish. They'll be like, oh, "Okay, he's speaking Viking." You know, and he could have worked with the other Viking guy to be like, okay, just say these two lines. But no, grunts like a caveman throughout the episode. And it drove me nuts. Especially the points where they're trying to, like, communicate with him. Like, you know, you're speaking English at him. He should be speaking back to you in Danish. Like, there there should have been some indication that, you know, he he has a functioning intellect. But, you know. Uh, again, a missed opportunity here that the show was just couldn't reach for the higher fruit, you know. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> the lowest well, from the tree here. Right. Guys, he's been revived from a, a thousand year nap. He's he's confused. He's looking. He's seeing the modern world. He's, he's seeing everything in slow motion for some reason. Yeah. At a Dutch angle for some reason. Yeah, yeah. The first 25 minutes of this episode are mainly just cuts of him turning over a shoulder <laughs> and noticing something else. At one point, he notices a boat. At another point, it never looks like he walks far enough to get from the wars. But at at this point... He is suddenly in an alley where a semi is just like barreling down it at 90 miles an hour, which I was like, this this is the classic Baywatch Nights bits. They did this in the Zargatha episode, too. They love just having a semi going down an alley. And you notice in movies, whenever a car almost runs somebody over, they never stop. They just keep on driving. Or they yell something. <laughs> yes, they yell something. Yeah. I don't remember what this guy yelled. Well, I don't know. He's like, asshole. Yeah. And so he's just confused. So we got to go back to the lab. And we see a very, if you're a, you're a fan of David Hasselhoff, in a particular oh, show that David Hasselhoff starred in, you'll recognize this guy. Honest, Jack. <laughs> Who do we see? Uh, let me, let me, I, I got to get his name right here. Uh, Edward Mulher. Yeah, 
Now, this is sad. This is actually sad because I, I was digging around. And this is the last credit, his last acting credit of his life. Mm-hmm. He, he dies uh, in May of 97. This aired in February. So it, it's kind of poignant, kind of you know, touching that like his last gig was reuniting with David Hasselhoff and doing this little bit, and then you know, croaking three months after it came. It's kind of sad because he doesn't look frail or decrepit. Or wasn't he was in his seventies when he died? So who knows what what happened to him? But it was. It, I, I have to laugh. <laughs> Pops out of nowhere, and he's like, "Aha!" Yeah. <laughs> right. He just pops up. Like, we haven't seen him at all in this episode. You know, and they're just looking at him like, "Who are you?" What are you yeah. yeah. You know so much about he's like, "Oh, I know many things about you." <laughs> <laughs> this is no, amazing. This. What? You know, he knows that Ryan's psychic. He, you know, he's like, "Bitches, arrogance." Look, I'm in Andy here. What's going on? Wait a minute. Ryan is psychic? I didn't even know that. Oh, did he, he drop that? I... <laughs> okay. I, it was, it was we're learning that. shit. I mean, Ryan is dressed up like the wife from Home Improvement right now <laughs> in this refrigerator. So I'm just I thought she was that. a scientist because I saw her in her lab in the Zark the episode. Right. Now she's a psychic, too. Now wow. And Mitch. Some of the air goes a psychic. Like, now I'm, I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> we're all confused again this is the episode where they abandoned the logic of baywatch well, mitch isn't confused but he's disgusted he's like you guys are playing god here yeah like, mitch let is... these guys lie we're gonna learn a lot about why mitch is offended <laughs> by this whole run in here but i love it because the scientist comes in like gandalf the great with the white hair the bright blue eyes got a staff for some reason it's a science staff and okay, he just I'm comes wrong, through i'm wrong she's she is a private investigator and forensics episode or forensics expert i think i think donna dierica must be the uh the scientist <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah last time we saw don dierica was the ginty episode yeah we uh. she is credited in every episode <laughs> third billing and we've seen her in one yeah. And there's a character we're going to bring up later who's also been credited in every episode, but it's only been in this one. It's the right. so-called Papa John's. Yeah. <laughs> As I called him. But I, I fucking love how Lancaster busts into this room, and he's just got this awe of awesome to him. But at the same time, it's like, who the fuck are you? And Mitch throws it in his face, and T, like, he's just like, hey, T told me to call you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Teek said you guys are the greatest badasses in L.A. Wait, L.A.? Is it L.A.? I don't know where. It's California yeah, somewhere. It's probably yeah. some made-up town. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why they get called in. Because they're badasses. I, but, cause they, what? So Teek suspected something was going to happen, so you needed Mitch and Ryan to back it up? Uh, I don't know. They, I mean, when when you're working with the DevOps Agile world, you know, you got the tickets coming in, you got the tickets going out, you got the CI/CD continuous implementation, com- continuous development. You got to be planning on these wow. things. You're like you the Mitch going on Buchanan there. of computers. Yeah, that's right. You're just throwing it out there. Just throwing it all out. You could there. have been a whatever you said. You. He's said like Lancaster's. Like, hey, we stored all of his brain cells in cloud storage, but you know what happens sometimes. So he's explaining to Mitch about how they weren't anticipating this, but it's okay. They got it all under, under control. We've got a net gun. Just go catch him. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, Mitch, you're the only guy who can catch him. You're the only guy who could match up to this 
fucking man mountain motherfucker. Murray, you took a special. And then wait until like halfway through the episode. Oh, yeah. We'll send the other dozen guys that we've got with Teague. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what they assume is that they can meet on like eye to eye. Like he could like, you know, game knows game. So they figure the Viking will respect Mitch and he will just come back. Yeah, I think the scientist Lancaster thinks that but doesn't say that because that would be too in depth for this episode, which is very bare bones, very unlogical. But uh, Murray, help help us out here because you were, took special offense to uh, Mitch's outfit in this episode. You were very concerned <laughs> about this outfit. <laughs> if you've ever seen Hasselhoff, collar always popped. Collar always, always popped. popped. He's wearing a fucking brown leather jacket with an Adidas emblem. Faded out Adidas emblem on yeah. the back. Yeah, that offended me. Did he pull a Jeff Bridges and he was like, guys, this is what my character would wear and got it out of his own closet? <laughs> I could totally see that. It was faded as fuck. It looked it like it was worn a lot because yeah. I didn't even notice it. And you're like, that's an Adidas jacket. And I was like, what are you talking about? You fucking weirdo. <laughs> and it wasn't even properly put on the back. It was like a bootleg Adidas jacket. That offended me, Griff. But what didn't offend me is Mitch's knowledge of Viking lore. <laughs> because he's like, yes, I will go out and find him. Here, t- give me that net gun. <laughs> I, I love it because... I refer to it as him manhuntering the Viking. Because he like, yeah. gets Snack. mine. He's like, I would have been a Viking if I had lived back then. So he like... Oh he's, he's like, you know, he would go towards the sea because the sea is the only thing he would recognize. Yeah. Off they go I, towards the towards the docks and see the ship. Well, exactly, because he Water. knows Vikings always they're like the swallows that go to Capistrano. Yeah. They, Vikings always go to the ocean. Yeah. And lo and lo and behold, we're right on the ocean. Like I'm really happy you brought up Mindhunter. When is that coming back? Wasn't that supposed to that's one of the few shows modern shows. Manhunter, but Mindhunter. Oh my oh yeah. Okay. Mindhunter's on hiatus because David Fincher fucked off and said he wanted to do something else. Oh, okay. So probably ain't never coming back. That's fine. I don't want him to write a bad third season. I like both the first seasons. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great sidebar there. So uh, yeah, we got we got Mitch going out. He knows exactly what a Viking's gonna he, he do. He calls in his buddy Griff, who we've never seen. Who's like, you know what? I'm like <laughs> very first... accurate to a guy named Griff. No, this characterization. no, 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 no. Very cowardly. I've been insulted by many of people who learned my name for the first time. I've mentioned before on the show, Jack. This might be your first time hearing this, but um, I used to work on the road. I used to do in-house home theater installations, and this paraplegic man you know just kind of like carting himself around his house he's like asking me and the guy i was working under like about us and everything he's like what's your name bud and i'm like oh my name's griffin he's like griffin that's a really fucking strong name for a wimp like you <laughs> a paraplegic <laughs> just shat all over me but i i just I, 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 I've been a little brother all my life, so I just died laughing. This guy loved it. He, like, tipped us 50 bucks after we were done. It was a great time, but still, a paraplegic man shit all over me. And uh, I get why, because he watched this episode of Baywatch Nights, <laughs> and he saw this version of Griff, who's a total fucking Papa John's drooling dickhead. Yeah, like you said, he dresses like Papa John. He Red shirt, white shirt. He does nothing the entire episode. 
Like he, what was no his? Point. He's there to be a chicken shit to make Mitch look badass. Like we can't for. say this is the purpose of Griff on this show because I do half the co-hosting. <laughs> I do all the editing. I do a lot of work here. But <laughs> this Griff is the fucking worst. A Griff, I could have been a Viking back then. <laughs> That's the difference. <laughs> I do I mean, ask you a lot of questions. Like he, that's his purpose, right? Yeah. Is just to ask Mitch about Vikings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mitch says to him at one point, how can you live around the sea your entire life and not appreciate the greatest men in the history of the sea? <laughs> but you just know that Axelrod is just like short stroking it while he's writing this stuff. And he's just like, yes, this is going to be fantastic. This is going to be brilliant. This is going to be, this, you know, he's full on John Milia thing, like this character. I was born write these lines to talk about the greatest <laughs> men in the history of the sea. Because if I had lived back then, I might have been one of them. <laughs> oh my so God. much, so much of this episode, the sets. We always talk about sets on the on these episodes on our show, but so much of the sets on the show is either the lab. Or very, very close-ups of them, like, with boats or, like, yeah. you know, uh, the the docking stations for the boats and everything. So you never get a feel of, like, how big this environment they're working in. You just see very close-ups of the, the, the Viking uh, Sven noticing things. And he notices, like, a little tugboat come in. And it's got what looks like one of the fucking woodsmen from Twin Peaks. He's covered in oil. He's totally hoboed out with the fucking charcoal black little, like, uh, uh, beanie hat kind of thing on, the fisherman's hat on. And he goes up to him. The guy's like, you ain't got no booze. You got more whiskey. You got no uh, uh, bourbon. You got nothing. You get off my boat. And he just, Sven just looks at him. He's and, confused. And, yeah, and the, I don't know what happens even then. Because he just runs away. I think he runs, he just away. runs away. Sven runs away. Yeah, Sven just runs away. What yeah. the fuck? Is, so he's just continuing down the wars, and uh, we know that Griff and Mitch are on the hunt for him, and we'll pick back up with the the Viking because a lot of dumb things happen in between there that we don't need to talk about. Now the Viking has found. Uh, some fishermen who are yeah. coming off the boat, they get a they get a lot of backstory here. Uh, one of them's from Chicago. Yeah, bitching about the Chicago Bears. Well, not a, there's not enough men in football anymore. Right. Dick Buckus, Walter oh. Payton. You know what those both are? Oh, boy. <laughs> Help me out, Murray. It worked. That's a Chicago accent. I did it? And then, no, it wasn't good, but you did it. And then, the, then, for some reason, one of the fishermen goes, and the real men are, and he looks right in the camera. Vikings. Oh. No, he didn't do that. But then they see Sven standing there. Yeah. And they're like, get a load of this guy. Okay. I, I've never worked in refrigeration, meat storage, meat cargo. Do you keep flash frozen fish in cardboard boxes? I wouldn't. I almost think you'd salt them rather than ice them at that point. But, like, it, it's still ridiculous. He opens it up and he pulls it out. And I, I I, want to believe. I'm sure it was just some sort of craft services prop. Like, okay, this is, you know, like deli chicken or whatever. I want to believe in my heart and hearts that Sven only Horson was like, fuck it, I'll just bite into this fish. It's cool. Don't I worry. I, I want I'm, to believe that. I'm, I've got this. And just, like, ripped like into that raw flesh with his teeth and just starts chewing. I wish that that is what happened. 
It's fantastic. I have a little backstory about the scene. Oh. Oh, Hasselhoff actually took Sven aside and said, "This is how ancient Vikings ate. They didn't have you. They they didn't cut invent utensils until about a couple hundred years after the Viking Age. They just bit into raw salmon." And Sven's like, "Hey, it sounds good to me. You know more about Vikings than me. I'm only Danish. That wasn't salmon. I don't know what it was. Yeah, it's the first fish you came up with. I think it was a trout. <laughs> I have no idea either. Yeah. It's probably a mackerel." So the fishermen are beside themselves. They're calling out like, hey, we're going to stop you. We're going <laughs> to we're gonna knock your ass out. And Sven is like fucking massive, broad shoulder, tiny little faux weapon looking sword. <laughs> saddest looking sword. The saddest looking sword. You're yeah. right about the props in this episode. They're all fucking chintzy. Straight from Halloween USA. Straight from, yeah. ho- straight from the dollar store. <laughs> I mean, that, like that's this. a classic like cheap stage theater prop sword like i hate to admit this i hate to admit it it's embarrassing when this episode was being aired like i was deep into the historical reenactment stuff so i was getting all the catalogs that had like tabards and battle axes and stuff like that in there you know so like i knew what you could get in like the mid 90s when it came to like medieval props like you could spend a hundred bucks and get a sword that looks ten times better than that piece of garbage. It looks fine, I understand. When it comes to you know scene safety and things like that, you don't want to be whipping around some razor edge bra sword that's gonna take someone's face off. But like just put like one ounce, one ounce of effort into getting something that looks like the slightest bit reasonably, you know, accurate. It just looks like garbage. It's like, you know, the Barbarian Brothers had better-looking stored props than this guy did. That's one we haven't done yet. It was basically just a piece of cardboard covered in tinfoil. It, it just looks it bad, too, because you got this giant of a man, beautiful oh. rock star hair, little <laughs> great helmet that looked perfect. Very historically accurate helmet. <laughs> and then he's got this tiny little baby sword, and he's wielding it with two hands. like this. It's like this heavy-ass oh, sword. Man. So, anyways, these two fishermen jobbers, they're like, yeah, you you ain't so tough. (laughs) So, they're going to come try to wreck them with, like, their fish hooks, which we've been talking about. Are those things called fish hooks? It's some sort of, like, I don't know. I, I'm sure it has yeah, an the actual... thing you pick up, like hay, hay bales. Yeah, with. you see yeah. people do use it for hay bales, ice cubes. I feel like I've seen it mm. with just anything with a loop. You know, <laughs> I don't know. You see it everywhere. I don't know what it's called. And there's two of them in this episode. So fuck us. You know, we never learned it. He spits out his fish and he starts going after these guys. I think he picks them up by by their shirt or something. And that's when Mitch comes in for the save. That sounds about right, right? Well, I have to point, I have to point out before this scene, we get some more. Like I said, the point of having Griff there is like, tell us more about Viking history, Mitch. So Mitch, he lets he lets this bombshell out. He's like, English even had a prayer yes. against the Vikings. Lord protect us from Vikings. <laughs> And I love how he's just staring off into space as he's saying this. He doesn't even acknowledge Griff's a human being. He's just staring off into space as he's it's saying It's very much shit. like our relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Murray comes it's over for like... nine hours and never looks at me. He just <laughs> no, stares like, off and talks like it's a goat. You know, he's just, yeah, he, he's in a different place. He's 
transported himself <laughs> back to his primordial nature. Right. Right. Oh. And again, we're in like, according to the camera and how they're shooting this, we're in very confined spaces. <laughs> and even in these confined spaces, he has no capacity to look at him at all. He's just like, why did I call you in here? You probably knows your way in here. I didn't call you. you I butt dialed you and you just showed up. Like you said, he intervenes because Sven's about to kill these fucking fishermen. And he's got that net gun, so he shoots the net onto Sven. And Sven just immediately cuts his way out of it. It was like, what was the point of this fucking net? Yeah, he nets, uh, or he's talking him down. He's trying to be like, hey, buddy, it's okay. I'm friends. I'll give you Adidas jacket. It'll be real cool. It'll look good on he you. He does the thing shoulders. you do, to, like the obnoxious thing you do to someone who you don't think speaks English. He just says English slower and louder. Hey there, buddy. Yeah. Put down the sword. We can talk this out. Mm. And he's just, Sven's confused. He doesn't. So Sven looks over his shoulder and is just getting ready to run. So Mitch is like, get the net, get the net, get the net. <laughs> and they shoot him. And we know Nets 125,000% effective on ninjas, Michael Dudikovs, not Steve James. He's too ripped. Uh, on Vikings, the effect, I mean, Mitch charges in right after. And so does little Griff. Coral Griff. He thinks he's safe because the Viking is in a net. Yeah. They worked on the ninja in the last episode. Right. Uh, no, it doesn't work. Time, guys in this, this episode charged Sven Oli Thorson. Like, with no plan. They just run it. The dude's six foot four. Like, what, what, what do you to accomplish here? Like, it, it, they just, he just flings them aside. It's embarrassing. And it's the same thing happens. It's like, Mitch should know better. You know, like Mitch should have had a plan. Michael Knight would have had a plan. Mitch. Knight I well, you know, he's he's a star fucker. He's obsessed with Vikings. He's seeing a Viking in the flesh, <laughs> so he wants to get up in there. Like he, I don't know what Mitch. I'm not trying to. I, I don't know what Mitch is trying to do, but he's trying to do something that's not taking him down. He's trying to commune with the ancestors. These are his people. He would have been a Viking. You'd think he would have tried to use some Nordic language or something? No. No? No. I don't, I don't I'm not even sure. I don't anyone who spoke Old Norse at that scientist lab. Like, I mean, if you're, you know, reviving Vikings, like, get someone who speaks Vikings. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought the lab up. Because we cut back to the lab. We got to see what's Ryan up to. Oh, She's God. talking with Lancaster. Is that his name? Lancaster. Lancaster. And she's studying the other Viking body, and she's like, mm, "It's odd. There's a there's a knife right in his heart. That seems odd. What's going on here?" You know, she started. She's doing. Looks... This is where the detective work of Baywatch Nights takes place in the okay. scene. Okay, I want to point out one thing because you said knife in the heart, and you're to <laughs> yeah. blame. You give love a bad name, <laughs> but sir, you're you're selling this wrong because she goes. He's got a knife in his shoulder. He does. It, it looks clearly in <laughs> his heart. Yes, it does. I'm thinking he's a Viking vampire, and they're going to pull it out, and he's going to come back to life. Yes, I, I'm kind of on you, uh, or I'm kind of on the same page there. So she's like, she's putting all the clues together. Why were there two Vikings? And she's like, I know for a fact, even though, because Mitch told me on the ride over, that Vikings travel in packs like dogs. They're two. They're on a rowboat. They're usually in giant fucking long ships with at least 30 people. And what's going on? She's just, she's just, all the gears are turning in her head. And they would have food, and they would have water, and they would at least have one copy of White Fire with them. 
Shut up. <laughs> we cut back to the docks. It's a cat and mouse game. Like Sven's running away from um, Mitch. Mitch is chasing him. God, super, He's playing hard to get. Super close up. The dock, for some reason, I guess it's early in the morning. The fog's still rolling in because it's very foggy. A lot of smoke coming through. Very super close up. You're still using those Dutch angles. Um, and yeah, it's like... Mitch is trying to get them, and then Sven just decides he's going to fuck off. Yes, he's just going to... He's confused. Yeah. So as Mitch is going after him, Teague shows up again. Because we need some more Viking exposition from our buddy Mitch. So Griff is like, wow, he seems very fierce. Almost berserk. Berserk means... And he gives them the definition of what berserk means and all this shit. And Yeah. I, I really love this because even Mitch is acting like he, he's got his hands in his face and he's all exhausted. He's just like, did you just say berserk? Let me tell you where that word comes from. The origin of berserk. <laughs> Vikings were berserk. People would say the Vikings are coming after them and they're completely berserk because they would have an... They were the guard from Monty Python's Holy Grail. They'd get an arm chopped off and they just keep coming at you. So they were berserk. And then I think Teague had, like, uh, Ryan on the phone or something. Because Ryan's, like, giving her findings, you know. She's like, maybe this will help Mitch. Yeah, they end up in, like, uh, Quint Shaft from Jaws, and they're all just hanging out <laughs> yeah. in there. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a, a mechanic's garage, because there's, like, engines and shit. Hey, like you said, nothing good happens at the wharf. And then, of course, Mitch puts all—she's been thinking about all this shit, the knife wound, the, the boat. He's like, it's obviously a blood feud, idiot. <laughs> Like, because the ancient Vikings, when they had some beef with each other, they would go out in a rowboat in the middle of the, I, I doubt it ever really happened, in the middle of the ocean. It's a good thing we have a psychologist. <laughs> oh, my God. Just, is, it, is it true, Jake? Do they, is that how they settle blood feuds? It actually was a, uh, uh, when, they, when they would do all. Now, again, I'm not a real Vikingologist. I'm, I'm just playing one for this podcast. But... Uh, they they tended to go out. There was some term they would use. They would go out to an island. And the island would oftentimes be, like, in a river. Because, I mean, you know, you're talking Scandinavia. You get the fjords and, you know, millions of little islands all over the place. So they would kind of go off someplace. You know, two men depart, one man comes back. But I don't think they would push a rowboat out into the ocean and decide to Battle it out, broadsword to broadsword, you know, balancing like like that scene in Highlander where he teaches McLeod balance, where he you know, knocks him over into the water. Uh, yeah, so they, they they would row out to like an island or something and fight there because it was you know sort of symbolic. Once you're on this piece of land, like oh great, who you were there when he had to come back. Yeah, this idea that they would just. What are they doing on a rowboat? Fighting to the death on a rowboat. Really? Do you see the size of these two guys? Like, what are they going to do? Yeah. I think that's a little bit of a stretch. Someone... All I heard well, there was look. they invented the Thunderdome. Two men in, or one man leave. Yeah. Oh. As much as. <laughs> yeah. As much as I respect Jack's Vikingology. Yeah. Uh, Mitch. Mitch shits on it. Whatever Mitch says, I believe. Yeah, this isn't about yeah. us. This is about Mitch, who's our favorite. He is he is the vaccinologist who invented the mRNA. We'll believe him over every other scientist in the world. 
And Mitch says, <laughs> well, Mitch says, goes. So, so T goes back to the lab and he notices the other Viking is awakening. I think, uh, I think, uh, Ryan pulled is like he's the Viking vampire. They pulled the fucking stake out of his heart. No, he was just the DevOps again. The DevOps oh. is doing its fucking CICD. It's too agile. Yeah. We can't control it. Okay. Yeah. So he's reviving. He goes back into play because the computer wakes him up too early because they're like scrambling around going he's coming out too early he's coming out too early and you know ryan's just like well yeah. shut it off like stop the process and the guy's like well the only thing we could do is just turn the computer off oh but then he'll die well yeah the guy's already technically dead we're bringing him just give back him a man. but yeah what i i love is in the first scene we get of the lab it takes 45 people to operate this lab but then Sven wakes up and murders them all just by backdropping <laughs> them. And now we're down to like three scientists and one of them's Lancaster. And he literally says to Ryan, you seem like you got things under control and leaves. <laughs> I gotta go he do something. Left... Yeah, he has left at this point. He's going to go get some Vinnies or something, <laughs> you know? He's like doing a Bella Lugosi in his later days performance. <laughs> Adiosi. And uh, yeah, so and we, as we all know about Viking men, they instinctively go back <laughs> to their last battle. So Sven comes back to the lab because we have no other sets but fucking the Quint cabin and the lab. So Sven comes back because he's got that blood. Now that we know that there's a blood feud, Sven knows he has. A well, blood now feud. that Mitch has told us there's a blood feud. Right. Sven realizes that, I guess, and so he's looking through the bowels of the science lab, and Sven. We're learning from the one scientist who's left with the big old uh, the headdress on, and he's got the little goatee that sucks, and I hated this man. I don't know why. I just didn't <laughs> like him. Hey, the computers are doing their thing, man. He's coming yeah. back too quick. And then he turns the knob, and there's a little red dot going, and it's exceeding too far. And it's like, oh, the science. It's so science. And we, and we thought Sven was bad. Ole is basically an, a dog because he comes back to life and starts sniffing Ryan like an oh animal. Well, we we did see Sven sniffing. Just I'm just uh, going to throw that I out there. That. But, Jack, please help us out here. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. It, it, it was so perfectly done to be like, okay, so, like, Sven Ole Thorson's the good Viking. He's just confused. He, he doesn't understand. He thinks he's in some demon world where creatures of myth are coming after him. This guy is just a perverted, creepy, like, rapist dude. Like, he, he pops up off that, that, you know, cryogenic table, and he's suddenly, you know, going for the, the you know, the lady. He, he's nipping her, he's touching her hair, you know, he's giving her the, uh, the sexy eyeball, like, and you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> he's the bad guy. And then Again, Ryan... Single word of Viking language here. He doesn't say, nope. where am I? What's going on? Nope. Where's the guy who's nope. just trying to kill me? He just kind of grunts and sniffs and pants and, and snarls a little bit. He's a caveman. All oh, yeah. These Vikings by... are free language. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have developed language in the, in the Viking age. So Ryan notices his gaping wound in his heart slash shoulder. Yeah. And she's like, hey, hand me that dirty rag over there. Yeah. And she just lays it on top of his wound. And that hey, calms, she, that soothes the savage beast. She has seen Beauty and the Beast. She knows the story. There's a rose, a crystal rose out there somewhere. And she just has to soothe this beast. 
Yeah, she's already we're, more we're, into this guy. Like, yeah. Just be passive. Be passive. Uh, don't don't antagonize him. We'll be fine. <laughs> right. And he yeah. did do. I, I don't remember which band it was. Or uh, rat. Rat. The old finger lick flick, because after he fingers her hair, uh, he licks it. I think he touches but her lips with his thumb, actually. I think he, like, I think you see his hand kind of goes through her hair, but his, his thumb, like, kind of hits her lip a little bit, and then he, like, yeah, licks at his thumb. It's just, like, nauseating. You're like, okay, oh. yeah, he's the rapist. Oh. We'll, we'll make sure he dies. Don't worry. Uh, so so G- you... G- guys... Oh. <laughs> I'm very I think, concerned about I this scene. I think we learned maybe he's not so rapey after all, because I think his true love is gold, because he notices that gold necklace. Oh, yes, neck. this is true. And so maybe he was a sniff in the gold. Maybe? He's like, that 24 carat? <laughs> Does he know what 24 carat means? <laughs> yes, Vikings didn't have a language, but they knew their gold. They had the little lens and everything. Yeah, he put on the fucking... Uh, <laughs> Jeweler's lens? No, that thing the guy was wearing in the beginning of the episode. Oh, the fucking... Night that vision. was night vision. Yeah, night vision goggles. Yeah. To inspect gold, yes, okay. Oh, he does. He grabs, rips that tiny little necklace. Oh yeah, Ryan's like, oh, I'll take this off for you. He's just snapping it off her neck, and he's. Yeah. I think he's about to bite into it to make sure it's real gold. I thought he was gonna bite it. Yeah. Then Sven just barges his way in, and then like, oh shit, all bets are off for a Viking duel. So Ryan gets tossed aside. You clearly see a man with a wig on. <laughs> the wig falls off in lieu of the process of going over the uh, cryogenic frozen slate lab table. Uh, and yeah, now we got a big old Viking fight. And we get the kind of fight you would do when you were a little kid and you had sticks and you were just hitting the stick and trying yep. to even trying to hit each other. You were, yep. And oh, we get a little bit of that. And then Mitch arrives, and he's just licking his lips. He loves it. He's getting off on these two guys that fight to the death. And Ryan's like, shouldn't we do something? And he's like, obey the prime directive, Ryan. <laughs> do not interfere. <laughs> We're going to let this shit full unfold. Oh, there's a lot of problems I have with this, right? So they go at it, man. And Sven's getting the edge on him because he doesn't have a stab wound in his heart. Yeah. So they're about to do it. And then Mitch's humanity kicks in. I don't know what, but he's like, I have to intervene now. Yeah, Jack, or rather, uh, Mitch has been... Yeah, Jack, please, please help us out. Well, it just, it doesn't make sense. Like, I've watched this twice now. And yeah, it's like he waits until Fennelly Thorson, like, wounds the guy. Like, the guy's on his knee. And he's, like, slashed him a few times. And he's, like, just about ready to deliver the coup de grace. And, and Mitch has been talking this whole time. No, no, no. It's not about how they live or, you know, it's their destiny. Like, this is all about their honor. And then he jumps up and grabs a broom and to try and <laughs> like, do? All he does, the only, the only thing he's, the process he serves is to distract Fennelly Thor's. Why is there a broom in a lab, first yeah, of all? Really? Around, and then the, the other guy, the little rapist guy, throws the broken sword and impales only throws in the back, mortally wounding him before he like falls back on the ground. Uh, that's my one thing. So all, dude, all you did was interfere and get them both killed. Like was that what yeah. was happening? You he fool. fucked with destiny. He messed with destiny. He played with the skeins of their life. He tried to to twist the threads that the All Father has woven for them, and you know the threads just snapped back in place. What happened? 
I want a director's cut of the Highlander where Mitch from Baywatch Nights jumps in with the broom and stops the 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 Kurgan? the quickening. quickening. Yeah. yeah, with his broom. <laughs> so Mitch, Mitch, like Ole gives his life for Mitch, basically a guy he's never met up until a minute ago. And so Mitch, he starts communing with the ancient spirits. He's getting in touch. <laughs> Fucking Odin is coming down. He sees a Valkyrie. Yes. And if you have this on Laserdisc, like we do, of course, we have the LP. Wait, is that? Yeah, the EP. No, we have the EP. Uh, so it's just one episode of Baywatch Nights on Laserdisc because that's the that's the small cut when they. Yeah. yeah. Send the play. 40. We have the 45 of <laughs> this. Just this episode. You can actually slow it down and see that. Mitch is levitating at this point. Right. He's being gifted by the gods, the power of levitation. And they're telling him, like, just remember, Mitch, the way this man's going to get to Valhalla is if you give him back his blade. Right. Yeah. So he has to one, he's got to be a snob, Viking snob, one last time to everyone else. He's like, yeah. Ryan, you fucking idiot. Did you get it? A man's going to Valhalla. Excuse me. He, didn't, he doesn't <laughs> shit on Ryan. Ryan's not there to be shit on. Griff, are you fucking <laughs> retarded? I'm sorry, we're not supposed to use that word anymore. But th- hey, guys, this is this 19- is 97. This is 97 when, I, especially Griff in 1997. I was 10 years old. I said the R word a lot. <laughs> yeah, he pulls the right out of Ben Only Thorson's back, and he's like, and I'll, I'm looking at it right now, and he gets like really, really intimate with this broken sword. Yes, like, inches from his nose, and his eyes are all like wide open. It's like he's sniffing the blood. Yeah, it's like he's drawing some power from the broken blade. And then he just licks the blood off the blade. Like we talked about, Odin came down and lifted him. 15 times after this whole uh, affair happened. Yeah. This was. Well, yeah, what you don't see is a a Valkyrie's coming down, actually going to take Mitch because she sees him with the sword. Yeah, she's she's like, this guy obviously belongs in Valhalla. Well, he has that perfect Viking hair and the (laughs) Adidas jacket that a Viking would People don't know Vikings loved Adidas. Like, I know that. I saw this episode. (laughs) I saw this episode and it made me understand Mike Lindell a little better (laughs) because clearly, whatever he prays to came down and told him that Trump won. And Mitch is like, I'm not ready for a Valhalla Valkyrie, but this warrior is. And he places, he, he licks a little of the blood off, and then he places the sword on the chest of Ole. And Ole, you think he would be like, oh, thank you. Well, he's dead this time. <laughs> no, he gives him a wink. He gives him an eye. He Thumbs knows. up. We didn't even talk about him. And then he just drops dead right there. Yeah. We didn't even get to talk about Ole's hair. Because he had that perfect oh. little Q name chen tail. Yeah, Hare Krishna. Shit. Yeah. What, what was, was with that? that? Yeah, that I wasn't historically accurate. Like photos of this guy. And he's like some stuntman kind of fellow. And I think that is his actual hair. Like that's, they didn't do it in the episode. I think it's just how he wears his hair. Oh, that's so, amazing. So he was probably like, no, no, no. It's in my contract. You don't, you don't well, mess with Hair that's got a that's a lot of growth on there that's a that's like a year or two so yeah i guess i guess you wouldn't want to cut that but then again how many plays uh i could see a lot like i i would watch a lot of 90s movies if they were like this is our villain he's got this crazy q haircut yeah <laughs> like, i so clearly wearing a wig with that little like leather headband holding it down they could have just put the guy in a wig 
like here's a ten dollar wig from a Halloween costume store. Like, where is it? That's familiar. So I think it's in the script. He's like, no, I have to be well, bareheaded except for this little this little whippy braid at the back of my head. That's my signature, my trademark. I think we're proving my theory that they just went into a dumpster and found a bunch of props and wrote the episode around it. And they didn't find a second wig. So like Sven gets this dope ass like gray white wig, the Gandalf wig. And we're gonna Sven, we or Oli, we got nothing left for you. So fuck you. We just hired that guy for his hair. Yeah, there we go. So now he's gone, his spirit is gone, but his body remains. And we all we all know because Mitch told us (laughs) that he needs a Viking funeral. So Mitch throws together a raft. He like, you know, chops some trees down and makes like a raft. And him and Ryan are on the docks and they got Ole laid out. This is the, my favorite part of the episode. This is this is absolutely why you need to watch this episode. <laughs> the build up for this scene. So they push him out. Uh, at first we were thinking, oh, he, I, I, mean, I know, of course, I know what a Viking funeral is. <laughs> so... I'm watching it like they're just gonna let him like fl- float yeah, out yeah. there. No siree. They push him out, and Ryan immediately, bitch. I don't think this is legal. <laughs> I don't think you should do this. And he's like, oh no, we have to do this. He's and like, fuck the law. This we, is more important. This is Valhalla. We've been talking about this because a couple weeks ago we had an episode with the lighter coming to question, yes. and I said no. It was a normal big lighter. <laughs> Yeah. And Murray says, no, they always have a Zippo. Well, Everyone, if you smoke or not, every character in a movie has a Zippo. We have never known Ryan or Mitch to smoke, <laughs> and they pull out a Zippo amongst them. It was a BMW Zippo for some reason. Uh, Product placement. <laughs> and then Mitch pulls out a bow and arrow. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to really do this. Uh, and then she <laughs> lights it with the Zippo, the end of the arrow. And then we hear this triumphant, Valhalla! <laughs> from Mitch and he does perfect accuracy hits that raft like 100 yards out he put it up to his eye or anything he, he shoots the no. bow from the hip you know like Jet, if he Jack this, Odin was aiming it for him okay guiding <laughs> right. the to where it was just in land right it's so fucking fascinating he looks off into the middle distance as this raft by the way, it's this raft burning in San Pedro Harbor. Like, you can see this thing yes. for a mile. Where is the harbor patrol? They got to show up in five minutes, freaking out, thinking that some someone's speedboat's on fire, you know? And they, what are they going to find? A raft with two dead bodies. <laughs> There's going to be questions. You know, like, this thing isn't just going to burn down and, you know, think of this as a wave. Someone's picking up a phone like 30 seconds after this episode ends. Uh, Mitch doesn't call. He just stares. Yeah, Mitch doesn't give a shit. Yeah. He's like, my job is done. Not I gave them the year. Viking funeral. Yeah. Well, hey, maybe this works into a second part of the episode where they fuck off to the vortex. Oh, the, the, yeah. the, 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 yeah, maybe they maybe the second part of this episode is the the law is on them, but they fuck off to the Sedona Vortex and they hop into that for a little while, go into the trash lodge, meet Neil uh, Breen, come back out, eat some spinach, and they're back to solving cases for the second half of the season. This would be a good break point for yeah. you know for the fall season. 
you know, a holiday season to work back into January after this. Oh, well, oh, football's on hiatus. That's perfect. It works. Okay. It makes perfect TV sense. Well, it aired in February, so not quite. But... Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we knew that. Oh. <laughs> okay. Wow, guys. Great. I was seething with rage before we, because of the shit I've been dealing with for the past five days. Fuck you, DT Energy. Uh, Jack, thanks for coming on. It was really nice to talk to oh, you. We've been like Twitter friends for like a year. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Glad I was able to uh, contribute to this episode. I'm you glad. Know, I'm glad you taught us a lot. I was able to reach back. I'm, I'm part Dane and Norwegian as well, so I was able to pull from my my ancestral knowledge and to contribute to this episode a little bit. So, you know, makes my ancestors I, proud. I've got a, I've got a fighting horn. I'm going to go up into my roof in a minute and I'm going to blow it. <laughs> and I just I'm, want you to yeah. scream Valhalla and shoot an arrow. Yeah, really. Do that? Just, uh, just shoot a fucking flaming arrow into someone's please, house. Yeah, just shoot a flaming arrow into the middle of anywhere <laughs> and that'll do. Yeah. <laughs> right, pulls up a few minutes later, you know, Anyone here with a bow and arrow? Well, we got a guy from the fifth floor who owns a lot of swords and elbows. Mm. He might be a Highlander. <laughs> Are you a Highlander? <laughs> I mean, I'm not, not a Highlander. They're not supposed to tell people things. No, they're not. It's a secret. Secret, secret. I got a secret. Then so. I'm become someone else. So. Thank yeah. you, Jack, for coming on. I I hope to have you on again sometime in the future. This is Absolutely. the beginning of another beautiful friendship. Oh, yeah. We just love doing this. We're like a tumbleweed of friends, and we just slowly work people into the tumbleweed, and we're just these months, these extravagant. I think more like we're like the thing, and we just consume people. Consume people? Because, yeah. I mean, everybody, we don't promote this enough, but Rucker Month is only two <laughs> weeks out. Yeah. Whole month of Rucker Hour, all <laughs> special guests. It's all Rucker. I've, I want. Oh no, I'll say that for yeah, now. Let's save this Are for the next. Theory, by the way. We might, we might. I, I yeah. I, we don't want to give it away. Oh okay. We want to build the anticipation. <laughs> so that's it for this uh, tippy tap, and uh, we'll see you whenever we do another tippy tap because we do these whenever we feel like it. <laughs>